This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Driving Outcomes, your source for inspired solutions to address the most pressing leadership concerns of today. On each episode, we examine the latest developments in applied research and education and how it impacts your business and social outcomes. Our host, Tracy Shirachi, brings you conversations with groundbreaking researchers, educators, and business leaders who are changing the face of leadership every day. And now, here's Tracy. Hi, everyone. I have the pleasure of introducing Linda Christopher today. Linda works for uh, Riverside Unified School District. And Linda, maybe you can start by describing your role and kind of a little landscape of, um, you know, what the school district is going through, what you guys are working on. And a lot of listeners would be interested to hear, you know, what, what our school district's going through right now and what, what are you seeing? So. Uh, well, it's great to uh, be here, Tracy. I, um, I'm the manager for grants and project development with Riverside Unified School District. And we've met because we are working with the MARC on an NSF grant uh, about air quality, actually, which is really exciting. Um, we have schools and uh, high school students who are diving into air quality research, which is really relevant in Riverside, California, since it has some of the worst air quality actually in the world, unfortunately. Um, so that's where uh, we met. And um, But other than that, you know, what's happening in the public school right now is um, is amazing work done by people who would not normally do such amazing work, I think, if that makes sense. They're stepping up, they're creating new ways of instruction, they're adapting to new forms of technology that have not been used before. And I believe that I've seen the best in humanity actually during this time, because we all have our students at heart. And I know that may sound corny, but we have a saying, you know, in our districts, it's like, we just love them and we're going to love them more. And that's how we feel about our students. Well, I think what you're highlighting and what I appreciate is the discussion around community and the positivity of the pandemic. Cause sometimes I think oftentimes we focus on the negative and then we get even more negative because <laughs> we're talking about that. And I think sometimes what we need to do is focus on the positive and the change that occurs as a result of that. But I think what's interesting that you highlight is it's atypical in the sense that you guys have a school district have applied for a NSF. So for those who are listening, it's a National Science Foundation uh, grant and focused on air quality, but also working within the school district, right? To focus on that as a research topic, which for some of our listeners are more familiar with research being at a university level or higher education or research institute. Um, So I think what's really interesting is to hear like a school district kind of enter that same realm, but approach it in a different way. And so just curious to know more about the air quality project for our listeners in terms of what's the purpose or what's the rationale or reasoning for why Riverside specifically decided to do this? Well, fortunately in Riverside, we are down the street and around the corner from the University of California, Riverside which Mm -hmm. is a very burgeoning research institution. Um, They used to be known for entomology and agriculture and they've really stepped up and they've created a whole research institute around air quality. Um, And also the California Air Resources Board just is building a brand new headquarters right there, again, down the street and around the corner from our school district uh, right next to the university. 
So it made sense for us to think about building what we call, you know, a high school to college pipeline for students to get excited and interested about air quality, then pursue, you know, a STEM degree, you know, starting maybe at the community college there in Riverside, but then also going on to UC Riverside and exploring all the careers that would involve, you know, um, working in air quality, potentially getting a job working with CARB, potentially, you know, becoming a researcher um, and just, you know, becoming entrepreneurs, finding new ways in which we can, you know, um, clean our air. So it just seemed like uh, it was relevant. Students are very much interested in the environment. Um, they wanna make it better. And so we've had a lot of interest in from our teachers who also will be trained through this research grant. And then we have graduate students that will come into the classroom and work with our high school students to also kind of role model and share with them their college experience. So it's just kind of this perfect blending of, you know, secondary to post-secondary to career. And that's really what our focus was from the beginning. And is it primary high school or you guys are also thinking about like K through like elementary and connecting elementary to middle to like high school and beyond? Yeah. So what we want to do is once we train the high school students, we want to create kind of what we're going to call like air quality ambassadors and have the high school students go and then mentor middle school and elementary students about what they've learned around air quality. And one thing that is a big part of our grant is for students to understand how to monitor big, uh, they monitor big data, big data sets, but they are coming from um, very fr user-friendly air quality monitors that are only like, you know, $200 that, that are pretty, you know, unbreakable. And so to, you know, have these air quality monitors around their neighborhoods in the school parking lot, actually in the classroom, funny story about that, I'll tell you. Um, then understanding how to collect the data, analyze the data and understand what's happening with the, you know, with the particulate matter, et cetera, you know, and the carbon that's happening. Emissions and all that. But that's, yeah. I think, amazing because I assume like part of it was kind of the school district initiating this with UCR. It wasn't necessarily only waiting for UCR to say, hey, we need K right. through 12 kids or high school kids to participate in this. It was very much like the innovation and the entrepreneurial mindset of the school district to pursue something like this. Right. It really started several years ago with just one high school that uh, had built a relationship with the university and with um, actually the California Air Resources Board and also um, another nonprofit in California that works to um, build awareness around air quality. So it was, yeah, it was just kind of this perfect, I can, you know what I mean? Kind of like the stars aligned. Perfect storm. And, yeah, and all the exactly. Stars and all the same people were in the same room at the same time. And, and it just seems like, wow, you know, of course, let's go for this because it, you know, the next generation science standards, especially are talking about, you know, using things that are relevant and hands-on and, and studying local phenomena. So it just, again, fit right into that. But I think it's smart and I say it's smart and it may sound, I use the word innovative, but I say that because I think as people are thinking through education, especially K through 12 and higher education, it needs to um, call into question a different approach to it. And, I, and, and rather than wait for the parties that typically have pursued these grants or waiting for that research, like why not be that school district out there that says, you know what? our kids aren't getting the hands-on education or our kids aren't getting that um, science exposure like they used to, you know, 30, 40 years ago. I remember when I used to be in elementary school, I was touching everything, right? Now yeah. I don't even know if some schools have 
science programs anymore with animals and stuff. I know a lot of private schools do, but it's like rethinking through how education is approached and really understanding and filling those gaps, which you guys evidently identified and literally came up with the right parties that be to be like, let's do it. And I think that's a strong role model for others during this pandemic, because a lot of school districts and a lot of schools and academia in general is trying to understand where they go from here. And I think it's collaborating like you highlighted and just, hey, wait a minute, we have all the resources here of higher education. We have the school districts, right? Why not just talk about it and come up with um, something that sounds fun for the kids? And I'm sure the kids have a lot of fun just testing out these emissions, understanding what it is, mm-hmm. and even bigger picture, it, it evolves into an actual career. And that's right. literally what we're trying to inspire in our kids is what is it that you're passionate about that you're going to pursue as your future career? And I think maybe that's lacking sometimes. I'll have to go ask my five-year-old, but <laughs> I'm used to people saying like, I want to be a baseball player or right. I want to be an astronaut or I want to, you know, it right. could be anything and everything. And I think of late, I've heard her say that she wants to be a doctor, which there's nothing wrong with being a doctor, but right. there's no, there's a lack of uh, aspiration there <laughs> in terms right. of like, it's more practical than it is. You know, I want to be an astronaut. I want to yeah. be a um, marine biologist, like anything, yeah. right. Yeah. That the mind can envision. Right. And I think, yeah, I think that at you know, even in high school, sometimes students don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. And so we're giving them, you know, this whole new world of what's out there. And what's great about this grant is the teachers that are going to be, um, you know, doing the research themselves within, you know, aligned with the university professors and the graduate students. Um, we're, we're talking, we're having math students, uh, excuse me, math teachers, social studies teachers, um, science teachers, and, you know, even English teachers. We have a school counselor that's involved. We're having everybody from across all curricula participating, and then they're going to find ways in which they can utilize this knowledge about air quality in their own classroom, in their own curriculum. So, for example, if you were a social studies teacher, it would be, you know, how do you advocate for clean air? You know, what, you know, what are the policies that can be created around clean air? Clean air? You know, then like math and science will be more about data collection and, anal, you know, analysis and things like that. And then um, anything, you know, even, you know, PE and of course, biology teachers will be talking about the health ramifications of, you know, of bad air quality. So uh, it wasn't just a sciencey thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was really broad sweeping. It's more inspiration. And yeah. what I like too, is that it's not just a science thing, which sometimes I think that's what's mistaken by a lot of parties is yeah. people get either turned on by science or turned off by yeah. science, but we're also like not acknowledging that isn't science all around us in our day to day. So we should like, we naturally subconsciously embrace it, even if we don't label right. it right, right as science. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really inspirational what you've shared because um, that's what you want for education is that exploratory um, creativity um, aspect of it that we've kind of, I think overall diminished over time to be more about state scores or t- grades or tests. And that's also why like the next generation is very much programmed a certain way to mm-hmm. almost answer things a certain way when we right. really want them to be more free and more creative about that. That's why I use the example of my daughter that wants to be a doctor, not because I have anything wrong with whatever she wants to be. <laughs> I fully support, right. 
but it wasn't like I want to be a fairy princess or it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't it lacks a little bit of the um creativity and and yet I know as a parent and I think for a lot of us we want to inspire people to mm-hmm. to shoot for the stars whatever it may be so right. I think it's great that you guys have incorporated that hands-on and especially as parties you know there's always a debate between public school private school um charter school homeschool right right? there's all these like Mm -hmm. um but I think the common denominator in a lot of circles is if the freedom to create and inspire and to lead and that skill development where a lot of people don't just want their kids just memorizing information for the sake of tests right uh, but really want that inspiration so I'm I love the fact that this is what you guys have focused on and I hope the listeners are able to like appreciate that. But even for listeners that are involved in school districts, maybe it's inspiring them and Mm -hmm. learning from best practices of other school districts in terms of what they're doing. Um, Something that came to mind as you were mentioning it is as we're talking to different funders, one thing that I know funders have often emphasized is when they're attributing taxpayer dollar, right? Community dollars, Mm -hmm. federal funds to different initiatives, the whole bigger picture is really workforce development Mm -hmm. and how it ties to education, right? Yeah. And so what you've kind of outlined even in a very short time is kind of this A to Z approach of how K through 12 through higher education can be better connected all just behind one particular topic of air quality. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think um, we are fortunate that we have the proximity of, you know, all of us being very close, but at the same time, it was this shared values, I would say, um, around the community and wanting to elevate this topic, which like you kind of mentioned, like might not be on the top of everybody's list of like, oh, wow, you know, let's talk about air quality, but then to, to actually elevate it and make it kind of cool, you know, and to also make it Um, sort of visionary. So there's a lot of possibilities once you just embrace this first step. Um, Back to something that you said about high schools, we are unusual in being a high school district that was awarded a National Science Foundation grant. I don't know of too many. In fact, Mm -hmm. I don't know of any. No, I don't know. (laughs) So I don't know if that's the first From an innovation standpoint, it's like we are alone in doing that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're the lead organization and I'm the principal investigator. And so that's exciting. And then um, again, just welcoming, uh, we had an, um, a group of educators from India come over and they'd heard about our grant and they were very interested in to know, you know, what we were doing and how we were making this work, you know, at the secondary level. But I would say it's just great people doing great things. I mean, we have amazing people on board who are passionate about, you know, just being in education. And like I said, we just love our kids. And I think, I know that sounds corny, but I don't know what else to say. And you say it anyway. It's like, but I think, anyway. it, I think it's the passion, like you said, and it's just the openness to try something new mm-hmm. and be bold enough to just try it out and just do it. And maybe it fails, maybe it doesn't fail, but just go for it. So I think it's also a mindset. And what you're describing is that the parties that came together were open enough to try something different and be like, so what if we're the first? So what if we're the only ones that are doing it? If this is a win-win-win in terms of addressing all the concerns that multiple parties have, um, by all means, you're going to obtain the funding. And I think that's also one thing in terms of subsequent funding that's really helpful is if you can demonstrate you achieved XYZ results Mm -hmm. and we're able to address all these different needs and issues, 
in one package, yeah, you know, that makes it even more powerful in terms of attracting capital. I think so too. I would agree with you. Um, and it's, um, it's just exciting to know that, you know, maybe this is the start of a, a movement, you know, for secondary education. And I, I think also, um, right now it's been hard because uh, we didn't have, you know, teachers together in the same room during, you know, this time of remote learning, but we met and we realized now we can actually take advantage of this new technology that we've all had to learn and we can still proceed with our research and proceed with our activities, even though it might look differently. Um, we're not going to let this stop us. And, and maybe we'll even have more people become involved now because of it. I think you may have more people involved. I mean, I know like I've seen some of the activities, even, you know, my daughter does like Girl Scouts and stuff where they sent it in home and baggies. So like you're doing the activities right. on Zoom while you're, but one thing my feedback has been as a working parent, like this is awesome because I can do it with her. I can see it versus before, you know, I'm at work, she's at school or she's at the activity. I don't even get to see what she's doing. I don't even get to be involved in that, not because I don't want to be, but because it's just, you know, I'm doing my work and she's doing her activities. So maybe there is an evolution where families and parents and mm -hmm. students are able to share what yeah. they're learning in school and adults are learning about it too, versus, right. you know, it'd be completely compartmentalized before. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the things that the students do for this grant, like I mentioned before, is they place air, air quality monitors around different areas and they can still do that. Right. They can still do that. Place it in their driveway, place it, you know, in their neighborhood. And uh, we had a group of students last year who put one in the classroom and it, and the air, it was the worst air quality they'd ever registered. <laughs> and I was like, and I kept they figure out why it was the worst air quality in the classroom. <laughs> I don't know. You can imagine, you know, high schoolers are by the end of the day aren't really <laughs> smelling so fresh. So uh, I think it maybe has something to do with that. And so maybe they probably turned around into something else because then they're going to petition for like right. air filters in their classroom. Or, like, we open a can of worms. <laughs> but that's good that they're like exploring, right? Because part of it is not so much the instruction of where these uh, air quality units have to go, but it sounds right. like there's also like, they can place it wherever they want and there's some value that they're learning right. regardless of where it's placed. I'd be, I'd be interested to see where like little kids want to place it and right? things they come up with like in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> because kids, the beautiful part is they're uninfluenced by anything, right? Like their right. ability to just think creatively and freely yeah. is untarnished by anything. And that's exactly. really what we want to foster. So yeah. Um, and I think eliminating some of the fear too around words like big data and analysis and, you know, that's what's taking place, but it's not anything to be afraid of. It's something mm -hmm. that's just sort of a natural byproduct of your exploration and your curiosity. So I think that's hopefully the message we're sending to. And what I appreciate about you saying that too, is like, we use data all the time. We just don't realize it. Like when yeah. we make decisions, we use information, which is data to make decisions too. So it's right. not as fluffy or as hard for us to like get our head around if if we really think about it it's almost subconsciously to make decisions we're taking in information consistently yep. all the time and processing right. it in order to like breathe or move or whatever it may be exactly. so 
I'm excited to see where everything leads. And I think it, I really appreciate you sharing, Linda, like what you're doing in your school district and how instrumental it's been, because I think it's a great way to inspire other schools and, uh, and share what's going on so that there's more collaboration and the broader community can mm-hmm. hopefully learn from each other. So I appreciate well, you. you taking the time today with us. Sure. We appreciate our partnership with the Mark too. So thank you for all the work you are doing to help us make this like one of these, you know, like seminal research projects. Hopefully it'll go big. Well, I, I have no doubts it will go big and continue to go big because of what you're focused on. So we appreciate that too. Okay. <laughs> thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Driving Outcomes. If you'd like to listen to or download other episodes of Driving Outcomes, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast networks. Please also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn as The Mark USA. We hope you'll join us again next week for more conversations with today's leaders who are driving for results and achieving phenomenal business outcomes. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating $1 million in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.